Jesus, thank you for this morning, and God, how we are just dwelling in your presence, God, enjoying your presence, Lord, being able to sit before you like Mary, and God, let in our minds and our hearts now not be like Martha's, busy about other things, distracted, but let our full attention be put upon you. Let our eyes look up to you. Let us focus in on you and your word today, because, Lord, I really want to hear from you. We all want to hear from you today, Lord. We ask for your spirit to give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying, Lord. Give us a mind to understand your word and a heart to receive your word and apply it to our lives. So I pray for your touch and your anointing right now, Jesus. We need you so much. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our our title... For our message this morning is a new way of seeing things. And we're actually in part three now. Uh, did I change that? I forgot. But does it say part three? <laughs> um, uh, with so many stuff going on, I thought, oh, I forgot to do the notes. But anyway, we're in part three of this series we've been going through in this first part of First Peter. And I called it a new way of seeing things. And so the past two weeks, we actually covered two of the three headings we have in our section here from verse 3 through verse 12. If you remember, if you were here a couple weeks ago, our number one in our heading was joy in your salvation. And there we cover verse 3 through 5. And as you know, I was trying to put everything in one message, but in my heart is just expanding, so that's why we're kind of going slow through this. But in number one, a few weeks ago, uh, we had joy in your salvation, and you remember uh, Peter was calling on the believers to praise, give praise to the Father, to bless the Father, uh, and, and remember he gave us four things like praise to the Father for his mercy, for the living hope, for our inheritance we have in Christ, and the secure future, and all of this was to give us joy in our salvation, when the first thing that Peter focuses in on is our salvation, to help give us joy in whatever we're going through, and so that we can have a new way of seeing things. Then last week, we went into verses 6 and 7, and here was number 2 in our outline in this section, that was joy even in the trials. So we had joy in your salvation, the next joy even in the trials. And if you were here with us, you remember Peter gave us four things that help us to have that joy, even when we're going through trouble, tribulation, hard times. And number one, we saw that trials will not last forever. Verse 6 says, it's only for a little while. And even if we compare it to eternity, it's temporary. Temporary. It's not that long compared to eternity, but it's for a season. So trials will not last forever. And then number two, we saw that trials are necessary in God's plan. And I didn't really like that word, but we saw this in verse six, right? It said, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if what? Necessary. And I said, well, it's more like when necessary there. And, and so we saw that there was some necessary times that we go through trial, like when we trials that, that help us to become like Jesus or trials to help us depend on God and not ourselves or, or our bank account or what, our jobs or whatever, but to totally depend on God. We saw that trials are necessary also in times of discipline. 
to stop us from sinning, to stop us from continuing in sin so that we may be free from the bondage of our sinful flesh that Christ has given us when he died and rose again from the dead. And lastly, we saw that trials are necessary to realize the sufficient grace of God. Remember I mentioned 2 Corinthians 12 where where Paul was praying, oh, take this thorn away, and three times he prayed, and the Lord came back and said, my grace is sufficient for you. You can be strong in your weaknesses. And, And I always think about how I'm not perfect in my trials. I fail many times, but I don't deserve God's help. But you know what? His grace is sufficient to help me through those times. And then, so we saw trials will not last forever. Trials are necessary in God's plan. And number three, we saw last time, trials prove that your faith is real. And that was verse seven. Our faith is like gold tested by the fire. And then the, the last thing we saw was trials endured will bring honor both to God and God will honor you. Like, well done, good and faithful servant. You made it through. You held on. You endured. And so all of that was how we can learn to have joy even in the trials. Now, if you missed any of this, I encourage you to go back and kind of catch up and and, and so that you have all three of these uh, uh, sections together in your mind and heart as God ministers to you. So you can go back like on our Spotify podcast or Apple podcast or even go to our YouTube channel, either one, just look up Upcountry Calvary and you can grab those messages. So we saw joy in your salvation, joy even in the trials. Now, as we finish up this section and from verse 8 through 12, we come to number 3 and that is joy in knowing Jesus. Joy in knowing Jesus. So now with all of this, Peter puts the focus on the privilege that we believers in Jesus Christ, what we have in our relationship with God. And he's saying, look, you guys, that should generate this joy no matter what's going on. In this relationship, you're not just saved, but you have a relationship with God now. I was thinking about this a few years back in this hotel in Japan. I was thinking because Pastor Tommy and Joanna are from Okinawa, you know, in Japan. But anyway, in this hotel in Japan, it was called the Henana Hotel. Henana means strange. It's a strange hotel. And why was it strange? They named it that because the whole, all, this whole hotel was totally staffed by robots. It was all done with robots several years ago. But it didn't work out too well. And so they fired like half the robot staff and replaced them with real humans. Why were they fired? Well, the reason was um, these robots were not as efficient as the owners had planned. For example, robots were, were, were at the front desk, right? And they had problems checking people in. You know, I saw a picture. It was a weird thing. The robot actually looked like a velociraptor. It looked like a raptor. It was like, Oh, that's a really friendly hotel there, you know, kind of thing. Teeth and everything. But it it didn't go smoothly when there was check-in. Robot porters, they would actually bump into each other, and if it ever rained or snow outside, they they wouldn't work. They'd get stuck. A robot concierge couldn't answer, like, simple questions like, Oh, um, where's the park? Or what time does it open? And then I thought this was funny. They had in-room assistants, they called it, and these were robots too. But they were in-room assistants 
And they were constantly interrupting sleeping guests when they were snoring. And they would, you know, interrupt them and saying really loud, Sorry, I didn't catch that. Isn't that funny? It's kind of like Siri, you know, sometimes. Sorry, uh, what'd you say? You know, kind of, kind of thing. So it seems that having this interaction and relationship with the real being was important, you know, to the hotel. It wasn't working. Even some of the guests are like, ah, this is kind of strange. And that's why the Henana Hotel And it is, right? Having a relationship, interacting, you know, with a person, it's way better than just some robot or or something that's not really alive. Well, that's what Peter's really focusing in on and helping us to understand, yeah, you know what? Knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus can bring us that joy. Thus, our heading here today is joy in knowing Jesus. Now, We're going to, as I mentioned, cover the last section here. And this is from verses 8 through 12. And let's first take a look at this whole section. It says in verse 8, 1 Peter 1, verse 8. It says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is unexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So that's the whole section we're taking. So we begin here. Now, let me just say this as we begin. The Apostle Peter is writing here. He's the author of this letter. And he begins with this saying, though you have not seen him. Seen who? Seen Jesus Christ. Seen Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Now, this is coming off of last time from verse 7 in what we saw how, you remember, the believers are being honored when Jesus returns to set up his kingdom on earth. We studied that last time in verse 7. And we saw that the whole world will visibly see that Jesus is real and true. So I don't know if you remember, I mentioned that. And, and so Paul was saying in verse 7, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, and that everyone's going to know, wow, Jesus is true. They're going to see him, yeah, with their own eyes, the whole world in that sense, in that time when he returns to set up his kingdom on earth. So with that in mind, Peter goes on and says, you know, you, guys, you believers, you haven't visibly seen Jesus like how it will be when the world ends. It's not like you guys visibly have seen them. Now, these guys are on this side of the cross, right? Jesus has died on a cross, rose again, ascended to heaven. And, and, and who, the, who the Christians that Peter is writing to, they haven't been with Jesus, not like Peter. They, they haven't really seen him. So Peter's like, you know, though you guys haven't seen him visibly, one day the world be, yet you guys love and you believe in Jesus. You love Jesus and you believe in him. And that's 
the gist of what he's saying here. Now, the word believe, I think it would be better translated trust. So, and we'll get into that in more detail in a moment. But think about this now. Peter's presenting this, that these are the two main ingredients of a true relationship, right? If you think about it, love and trust. So Peter said, hey, you guys, though you haven't seen him, you don't see him now even, you know what, like, like visibly, physically, right there with your own eyes, you know what, this is knowing Jesus, that you love and trust God in this way, that this is about knowing Jesus. And again, we're going to get more into detail with this, but here, here's the thing, when he says that in verse 8, that uh, there's joy here, rejoice with joy about this. He's saying that, look, another thing that brings joy is having this relationship with Jesus, is knowing Jesus, that we rejoice. Remember, we came, over, came across that word earlier, and it means gushing forth with joy. It means breaking out with joy. And, and this joy, Peter describes here at the end of verse 8, it's a, with a joy that is inexpressible. You, you can't describe it in words it's filled with glory it's it's like it's like coming from the glory of God it's about God and and him and his glory and everything that he's done so this this joy is incredible he's saying it's we got to rejoice in this it's a joy inexpressible like it's deeper than anything that we may feel without Christ it's it's higher it's greater it's this overarching joy and it's because it's filled with God's glory. Now, remember this. I remind you again. Peter's writing to believers. And you remember, they're going through severe persecution. At the time in this writing, remember, Nero is heavy. Caesar and Nero is heavy. Persecuting Christians, grabbing them, dipping them in tar, in tar setting them up as torches in his garden. The whole you know, Colosseum and the lions and feeding to lions as sport and entertainment. That's all happening. So Christians are dying. Family members are dying. And so, and the people are losing their jobs and their homes. So you can imagine the stress and everything that's going on. And during a time like that, how can you have joy? Well, that's what Peter's been unfolding. Hey, focus in your salvation. Hey, focus in even in trials. God's still at work. And here, Hey, you know what? You can find joy that you know Jesus. Now, he didn't write here, hey, you can be happy. Yeah. He, you know, because happiness is not the joy that Peter's talking about. This joy is based on God. This joy is based on this relationship with God. This joy comes from God, is the glory of God here. Happiness is based really on what happens. Yeah. External circumstances. So understand as we begin, this joy in our text today is not rooted in circumstances or situations, but this joy is based on your relationship with God. Psalm 16, verse 11, in the middle of the verse says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. I love that. When we're worshiping here this morning, I felt God's presence. I was filled with joy. Yeah? I, I enjoy being with the Lord here. And so that's the idea, our relationship with God. We get filled with joy. How about you this morning? Do you have that joy? Could it be maybe, as we're talking about today, that, that you've been neglecting your personal relationship with God? 
Maybe you, you lost that joy you once had because you drifted. You wandered away and you don't have that kind of overarching joy, that joy that's not based on circumstances, but it's inside of you because Christ is there. Because you have this relationship with God. You know what? God is calling us, all of us, to come. Come into his presence. Come to him. Come into his healing presence. He's whispering into our hearts, our weary hearts. Come. Come, you guys. He's inviting you to come and, and, and put, don't put your eyes on the trouble and everything, but lift them up and see God is in your life. God loves you. God wants to know you. And it's like someone said, when the outlook is dark, right, try the uplook. And that's the idea in all of this. So, understanding now the basis of all this. Let's go on and look at four things that Peter gives us to help us to have joy in knowing Jesus. And number one is this. This relationship is based on love. This relationship is based on love. Again, look at verse 8. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though, you, you know, this is after the cross. Jesus isn't walking around on earth and all that. Though you haven't seen him, yet you guys love him. That's so great. That's, that's where the core of our relationship is, is that we love God. That's the essence of our walk with God, you guys, that we love him. He, we know he loves us. Well, we love him back. Think about Peter now. Peter. He knows this very well, right? After his failures, denying Jesus three times, right? Uh, after all that, after him being so proud, I'm never going to deny you. No way. And he does. And then he runs away, right? And regret and guilt. And he's not around when Jesus is on the cross. Only John was there. All the other disciples run. But, but if you think about Peter, he knows. I, I failed Jesus. I abandoned him. I denied him. But remember, Jesus call, comes to him, calls him to ministry. And how does Jesus call him back to minister? Hey, Peter, do you love me? Hey, Peter, do you love me? Hey, Peter, do you love me? Jesus restores Peter back with what? This love relationship. That's all in John 21. So you see, our walk with God is based on love. This is what a personal relationship with God means. It's based on love. This relationship um, is based on this love, with this love that God has for us and this love we have for Him. And isn't that what Jesus wanted? Jesus called us to have this love relationship. I mean, I mean, remember, or take a moment, turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Turn to the left and into the the Gospels, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. I want you to see this. Jesus, from starting from verse 29, he said, The most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's quoting Deuteronomy. And then he says in verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
So do you understand that it's a love relationship that we have with God? It's through Christ. It's based on loving God back. Remember, Christianity is not some dead religion. It's a living, loving, personal relationship with God through Christ, with Jesus Christ. It's all based on love. I was thinking about, you know, how God put my wife and I together in marriage. And um, uh, how when the Lord put us together, uh, we're married. And like Genesis uh, 2 talks about, we're we're put together and we become one. Right? We become one in that way. And that oneness to me really is, is the love that's in our marriage. It's not just, well, this is God's will, right? It's love that is incorporated. It's like the glue. It's like, like what really brings us together. So I don't do things, you know, in my marriage because, well, I have to, but I do it because I want to. I love my wife. Well, honey, I'm going to come home and kiss you when I get home because I, I have to. You know, it's, it's where God put us together, right? It's not like that. Oh, I'm going to sit down, spend time with you because I have to. No, I want to because I love my wife. Well, think about that in the same way. So it is with your relationship with God. It should be based on love. Do we read our Bibles because, oh, we just want to hear from God? Do we pray because we want to spend time with the Lord in his presence? Do we come to church because we want to be with God's people and sense his spirit, just being with the Lord? And Do we want to worship God and sing to him with all of our heart because we love God? Because we want to, oh, Lord, this is for you. I, I want to tell you how much I love you. Or is it a ritual? We read because, well, um, God, I know you like this, and so I, I'm just going to read. Is that how your relationship is? is it, it, I, do you come to church because, well, you know, my parents make me come. I mean, it's good you're here, but we need to take that step, search our hearts to see why we are here. Why are you here? Is it because of love? Is it because of, of, of well, I know if I do this, maybe I'll get blessed by the Lord. That's a ritual, right? No, we want to come to God in every way because we love him. How about you? Do you have that love in your heart? Or have you lost your first love for Jesus? Let me give you something else. I'll tell you, when you have this loving, deep relationship with Jesus and and you're, you're connecting him with him, let me tell you, you know what, that relationship, that love, his love, your love for him, as it, as it, as it gets into you and your soul, you know, it, it really helps to suck all the poison out, you know, all the fleshly things, bitterness, unforgiveness, even anxiety and those toxic thoughts that, that spin us out of control. And you know what, that relationship brings joy, a deep joy, because we know God loves me, us, and I know I, I love him. See, it's this relationship with God. This is what Peter's focusing in on. This love relationship that will get you through these trials. And, and, and so don't let anything come in between. Get back to your first love. 
uh, cultivate that relationship with him again. Uh, it's, it's what will really help you. Donald Gray Barnhouse once said, the Christian must fight to be alone with God and to keep time for knowing God. That's why Peter is bringing this up here. So we can have joy in knowing Jesus because the relationship is based on love. Number two, second thing he brings up, this relationship is based on trust. It's based on trust. He goes on here in verse 8, though you do not now see him, even right now he's saying, you believe in him. You believe in Jesus. The word believe, it means to put confidence in. It means to depend upon, and that's why I said, probably better translated here is trust. So Peter's like, you know, you guys, you guys don't need Jesus right here, right next to you, standing with you. You know why? Because you trust him already. You believe in him in that way. I mean, I'm sure we might say, well, Peter, ah, easy for you to say, yeah? You saw Jesus with your own eyes. You, you ate with him, yeah? Maybe you gave him a, a, a hug there. You, you know, you sat down with him. You, you heard him audibly, you know, with your own ears, and you saw him with your own eyes. But you know what Peter's saying? Hey, but you know, this is for me too. Jesus isn't around. Right? He rose again from the dead, trained the disciples for 40 days in Acts 1. He ascended to heaven. And so Peter's like, hey, my relationship with Jesus is not based on him physically being here, but I walk in faith. And I see you guys, you're walking in faith and trust. So Peter recognizes the same thing with these believers, that, that they walk with God. Their relationship with God is based on, based on faith and trust. And that's what it's about. Yeah? Our relationship with God is not just love, but we trust Him. That's why we can get close. We believe in Him and His Word. That's why we have this relationship and we grow in Him because we trust Him to take care of us. I read this story while attending a Bible conference. This elderly lady, she fell down, unfortunately, and broke her leg. And when she, the pastor came to pray for her afterwards in the hospital, uh, the lady asked the pastor, you know, I know the Lord led me to go to this meeting, but I don't see why this had to happen. I don't see any good coming out of it. Well, the pastor wisely replied, hey, it's okay. Look, remember Romans eight twenty eight? It does not say that we see all things work together. But it says, we know it does. I love that. That's the idea. We trust God. We believe in Him. Our faith is in Him. Our relationship with God is based on this personal faith and trust. And so we know. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we read the Bible. Because the more we read and study, we get to know God. That our, 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 our thoughts, our, our messed up, you know, thoughts about God get cleared up to to understand who he is his love for us his power sovereignty how he works in our lives and so in learning the word we get to know God and we get to know we can trust him and then we get to know we can live this life of faith 
You know, I want to be those, right, that Jesus talked about in John 20, 20, when, when he, he told, remember doubting Thomas? Yeah, I'm not going to believe until I put my hand, you know, in his scars and everything like that. And, and Jesus appeared and come, come touch. But Thomas like, oh, he bowed down, you know, you are Lord God. And then Jesus says, blessed are the ones who have not seen yet believe. And I want to be those. All right, so you can have joy in knowing uh, Jesus because, number one, this relationship is based on love. Number two, this relationship is based on trust. And let's go to number three now. This relationship is initiated by God. This relationship is initiated by God. Look at verse 9. Peter writes here, Now, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So the word obtaining means constantly receiving. It's not a, so much a past tense, but it's, it's a continue, continuing receiving. And what is that? Well, he says next in verse 9, the outcome of your faith. And what is that? The result of believing in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, rose again from the dead to have salvation, right? So the outcome of your faith, being saved, the result of believing in, in Jesus, which is, he says here to answer, the salvation of your souls. Now, if you put together, Peter's saying obtaining, meaning a constant receiving, and you put together that with the salvation of your souls, then it speaks to us that the work of salvation, it, it, it's, a, it's a continuing thing. It's a whole work. And let me explain to you. If, if you really look at salvation, quote unquote, there's a past there's a present, and there's a future to it. And we find that in the Bible. We find that in the New Testament with Paul's writing too. We know in the past, for when we first come to Christ, what happens? We're, we're saved, right? By being forgiven of our sins. We're, we're um, given eternal life. Right at that moment, we're given eternal life. We're saved in that way. We're, we're born again. Right? We're given a new life. We're born again. We become a new creation. And we're adopted into God's family. That's what happens at that time of salvation. And those of you who are Christians, you know, and that's the past. And, and I kind of like to think about that as justification. We have been justified through the blood of Christ. His righteousness is upon us. And if we are to die, we're going to heaven. Right then, we have eternal life. So we've been justified. That's justification. So that's the past. The present now, we're talking about the work of salvation in our life is spiritual growth. We're not perfect, but God is growing us, right? Fruits of the Spirit, all of that. And we call that sanctification. Sanctification. So when we're in the past, when we're first saved, Justification In the present, we're being sanctified. We're being made holy or godly, being more made into the image of Christ. So that's sanctification. The future now, past, present, future, that work of salvation is when we pass from this life here on earth. Now when we die, we will be resurrected and we're going to go to live in heaven with God, with Jesus. That is glorification. So we have justification, sanctification, glorification. And so you can see there's a past, there's a present, there's a future. That all of this falls under, quote-unquote, salvation. Sometimes we think, oh, salvation is just at the beginning. But it's actually a whole work of God in our lives. 
Uh, we're, think about it this way. We're born for glory, prepared for glory, and we're brought into glory. So that's what Peter is saying. Okay, see what happened to you guys. What, what, what is constantly happening in your salvation. You've obtained it through faith and all. You know what? God initiated it all. It was God's work in you. It's God's work right now. And it's God's continuing work that is going on. As we're talking about relationship with God here, you know, it makes me think about before the fall, right, in Genesis 3, before Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and sin, the first sin, right? You remember, they walked with God. They had a close, personal relationship with God. But after they sinned, remember how they hid from God? And it says in Genesis 3, God's like going, where are you? Not that he didn't know where they were, but it's like, oh my gosh, you sinned. You've broken that relationship. We're separated. Our, our, that relationship we once enjoyed, oh, it's broken now. But we know God in his love, right, in order to restore that relationship, that sin had broken, he sent Jesus Christ to die and rise again to save us. So now, people, you and I, we can be reconciled to God and, and we can have that relationship and have this whole work of salvation. It was God himself who initiated this. And let me say this right now. If you're online, if you're here in this room, you can have this right now. Just by giving your heart to Jesus Christ. Just, just by getting your sins re- forgiven and being saved right now and, and ha- begin this personal relationship with God and have it restored. So come to Jesus right now. All right. So we can have joy in knowing Jesus because this relationship is based on love. This relationship is based on trust. Number three, this relationship is initiated by God. And our last thing here is number four, this relationship is what was longed for. This relationship was what was longed for. Look at verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So Peter is saying, look, you guys, realize this now. This relationship that you have the love, that's based on love and trust that God had initiated, that, that you're obtaining from God's work in, in your, your walk with him, you know what? Peter's saying, look, realize this salvation. It's what the prophets, it's the, what the, the, the Old Testament prophets had prophesied. It, it's, it's what we see in the scriptures. And it's about this grace. Remember, grace, we're saved by grace through faith, right? This grace that is yours now, this salvation. You know what? These prophets who prophesied about Jesus, they actually searched and inquired carefully. They searched the scriptures. They're wondering, what is this? What's going on? Inquired carefully means they examine intensely. And then verse 11, he goes on to say, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So Peter's saying, these prophets, they were looking into to what this person is. In other words, who is the Messiah? 
Who is the Savior? Who, who is this going to be? So they, were, they had been given some prophecies about the Messiah, but they're like wanting to look more in Scripture. Wait, this is a puzzle. Who's, who is this person? And then Peter says in, in verse um, 11, um, were we in verse 11? Yeah. Um, or time. You know, what time in history he would come? When was this going to happen? When was these prophecies that were being, being given to them by, you know what, he says, the Spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was indicating that the Messiah would suffer, like Psalm uh, 22, and the glories to come, that, that he would come and reign on the earth. All of that, all of this whole plan of God for Jesus Christ the prophets were trying to put together who is this who, what's going to happen what what time what is the, the Holy Spirit is giving us these prophecies but I want to know more and they were trying to figure out well what's going on well um, Lord help us when is this I'm getting excited and then verse 12 Peter clears up that it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you you know what he's saying? It was revealed that it wasn't for their time. It was for a future time that was coming. It was for a time that Peter's saying, that you guys are living right now, after the cross now. It wasn't for them or their time. And he says in verse 12, but now you guys, that now have been announced to you about Jesus through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit. So through the Holy Spirit, who gave them the gospel of Jesus Christ? The apostles, right? It was the apostles. They were the ones who brought that good news. He says, now where you guys live, on the other side of the cross, now this everything the Old Testament prophets wanted to know, it's happened. It's happening to you now through uh, it was preached to you by way of ho- the Holy Spirit. So, the prophets predicted it, the Spirit inspired it, and the apostles preached it. Turn over to uh, Matthew 13, verse 17. Matthew, go over to Matthew this time. Matthew 13, verse 17. And, and Jesus puts this out. Verse 17 of Matthew 13. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So now, going back to First Peter, do you understand what Peter's saying? We put together what Jesus said. We put together uh, uh, what Peter is saying. He's saying, look, this relationship that you have with Jesus, it was longed for. It was longed for by the Old Testament prophets. We have today, on this side of the cross, this privilege and honor to live this life after the cross In Jesus, being forgiven, being adopted, new creation, having this relationship, this love and trust relationship with Jesus, it's something the prophets long for. They're like, 
Oh, I wanted it. it. The righteous people long for it. Think about Abraham, right? He looked to that day in faith. Guess what? We have that privilege and honor today. And we need to be grateful for that, right? Of what we have. Then Peter says this amazing thing. He adds at, at the end of verse 12, he says that um, after by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things at the very end of the verse, 1 Peter 1.12, things into which angels long to look. So not only did the prophets long to see the plan of salvation come together, but these things, Jesus coming, saving people, the angels actually long to see it all unfold. They're, they're watching this too. And the NLT says, uh, translates this, they were eagerly watching. So the angels were longing to see how exactly God would save sinners, you know what, who didn't deserve it. That's really, really what they're like. Wow, Lord, really? Wow, I want to see this. Whoa, whoa, wow. No wonder, right? There is joy with the angels of God over what? One sinner who repents, right? No wonder they're having a party because they're like, Oh, we've been waiting to see. Now we see how it works. And then you came to the Lord. Oh, we've been just waiting since, you know, way past in eternity for all this to come together. Oh, it's so exciting for us to all come together. I kind of imagine like, you know, this, some of the angels taking their wing and kind of going, ir, ir, scratching their head when, when they say, what, Rick? He, you saved him? Rick? Ir, really? Wow, I can't believe that. Oh, I can't believe you still having him preaching even with his failures. Oh, God, this is, wow. They're going, wow, Lord. You know, wow, he, he's still there even with, you know, he's, his failures and stuff. Wow, Lord, your salvation, your grace, your mercy, you know. Yeah, don't laugh at me. They're scratching their head about you too. No, 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 just, just joking. So this salvation is what, Many, right? The Old Testament prophets, even the, the, the righteous from past who had faith in the Savior coming, and even angels, they long to see. So, you know what that tells me? Let's not take it for granted. Yeah? Let's not take it for granted. Let's find joy in the privilege and honor that we have in Jesus Christ. Listen to what someone wrote. And I'm not putting this on the screen, but someone wrote this. You may go to the doctor and walk away a healthy sinner. You may go to the psychiatrist and walk away a well-adjusted sinner. You may even go to church and walk away a religious sinner. But only when a person comes to the cross of Jesus will you walk away a forgiven sinner. I love that. That's what it's about. And as we're forgiven, we're restored with that relationship with Jesus. And we can know, know God. We can really know him. We can be close to him. God's welcoming. Because that sin issue that separates us is no more. So we can have this personal love, trust, relationship with God that he initiated, which speaks of his love. That so many have longed to be in our position that we shouldn't take for granted. So we can have joy in Jesus and in our relationship. That's what it is. So if you think about this underlying 
uh, thing that's going on with the believers at this time. This relationship with God is, that's what's going to get you through. That's what it's really about. That's how we're going to make it, yeah? Through whatever you're going through, it's because of your relationship with God. I'll close with this. Um, on a dangerous descent down from the Swiss Alps, uh, one climber lost his footing and slipped, and then he dragged two others. You know, they're all connected to the rope. He dragged two others down with them, him. There was another three other men who were experienced climbers, and they were able to, like, brace themselves uh, on the ice and with their spikes and be able to brace themselves, the three of them, to bear the load of those three who, who, who were falling. And so they were able to stop it. And, but it was only for a moment because the rope snapped with the weight of those three and they sadly slipped and they fell to their death. Well, later when the three experienced climbers, the surviving men returned to Zemet, um, they start wondering, what happened? What, what, is, what is going on? And in examination of the rope they had, they were shocked to find the rope that the other climbers had provided and what they used had no red strand running through its center. And the thing is, a true alpine rope has a red strand to strengthen it, so that would never happen. So it was a poor imitation. It wasn't the real thing. You know, so it is with our walk with God. That red strand with our relationship, um, the red strand is that personal relationship we have with the Lord. And with that, you know what? We can, we can be strengthened no matter where we go, what we go through. Without it, we're not going to experience, you know, that joy, yeah? The joy in knowing Jesus. And so I hope you saw in these past weeks now, this is our third study here, that we can have joy in your salvation. If you focus in how oh, Jesus saved you, our inheritance, our future, he's our living hope, not a dead hope, right? I hope you can see that even in trials, we can have joy even in trials because God is in control and God is there. And even though he's testing our faith, our faith is going to get stronger. And I hope you can see that we have joy in knowing Jesus. And in all of this, I hope you find a new way of seeing things. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you, God, and there's so many things that we have talked about in the past few weeks and today, Lord, but as we focus in on, on knowing you, Lord, let that be a priority in our life, to love you, to trust you, that even in the worst of times when we're overwhelmed, God, with the situation, when we're overwhelmed with the circumstances, when our emotion is overwhelming us, when the thoughts in our head are just spinning around and, and we, can't, we, don't, we can't even see what's up or down, Lord, will you come in and help us, Lord, that in this, these times of prayer or being in your word or, or sitting with God's people and worshiping you, will you come, Lord, and put our focus upon you and set our mind on things above, not on the earth, but where you are sitting, Lord, on the throne. God, help us to come to see that you have all things, Lord. 
sovereignly in control. That, that we may trust in your promises in your word. And what you're saying to us today, God. May we find in our relationship the strength to go on. May we find in our relationship that as you minister to us, as we, you, we hear from you through your spirit, as, we, as you give us a word, a promise, as, you, as we sense your spirit, God, may we find faith in you and trust in no matter what's going on. Lord, help us to reach for that, not run. Help us to not try and uh, do things to cope, like our coping mechanisms kick in, Lord. Help us to truly just go to you and, and get close to you and cultivate a relationship with you. So Jesus, I ask you to help us all, Lord. God, I, I, I struggle with things and I see things. and uh, God, but sometimes, Lord, I just need to know and trust you. So Lord, here we are, God. Lord, we want to keep on going, Lord, enduring to the end, all the way to when you return. And things may get harder, but Lord, I know you will get greater in our lives. And may our relationship get greater as we see the day approaching. In Jesus' name, amen.